and the sun is better when shared together. Welcome back to UX Almusal. This is the podcast to listen to for Filipino UX and product designers looking to level up their career by listening to two people who are very obsessed not just with Almusal but with design as well. In this episode of UX Almusal, we talk about innovation versus optimization. We discuss the best time to design for metrics, where to find sources of innovation, setting up a North Star, and more things that could help you build up your strategic design thinking. So is your Longaniza ready for Almusal? If yes, then let's kick it off with a second episode. Hi everyone. Hello. Hi, welcome back to Roots. I know. <laughs> this is UX Almusal. Welcome to UX Almusal. Yes. With Alexis Collado and CSJ. All right. Alexis, what did you have for, what are you having for breakfast today? Um, I'm having bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes. How about I, you? I'm having right now a scrambled egg with fried rice and corned beef. That took one hour? Uh, around 30 minutes to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it looks looks yummy. Yeah. We came from um, Ellie's yes. thing. Yeah. Uh, Ellie has a YouTube channel. Uh, I think it's Designers... Cam. On Cam. Designers some... on Cam. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that comes out soon. Um, and yes, let's go back to our own podcast. Um, so we already launched our new conference. Oh yeah, right. Uh, UX Plus. It's up on uxpl.us. Uh, and yeah, we just announced our speakers. We just announced um, what's gonna happen on August twenty-four. And yeah, I hope you guys come join us. There's still early bird tickets, I believe. Yeah, speakers from Google, Twitter, uh, Dropbox, yeah. Grab. Nice. And also, JG Fa- Summit. Father Ellie. Father Ellie from JG Summit. Andrew Bias. JP, JP de Guzman. De Guzman. Sean Gill from First Circle. Yes. Christian Son of Say from First Circle. <laughs> <laughs> Too many First Circles in, in one conference. But yeah, that's my bias. Yes. <laughs> All right. So what topic are we go- going to discuss today, Alexis? Today, we're going to talk about optimization versus innovation okay why, why why did we choose this topic CSG? um I, I guess like it, it's it's a topic or it's a it's a thought that comes when you're designing or you're building a product that um, sometimes you get two heads down that you're building something and you're optimizing too much and then you get a sense of when you should innovate um, you tend to question yourself are you optimizing in the right way or are you optimizing too much and then you you kind of want to innovate or like change the the fundamentals of what you do so it's a constant question it's a it's a pendulum swing right yeah so i guess that's what where the curiosity comes from maybe we should define optimization and innovation first sure uh, so what's uh optimization alexis so you got this from the website ui-patterns.com mm-hmm. optimization you optimize through a data-driven approach that thinks of design as a logic problem where the best solution is found 
relying on data and tests of every design choice made. So you're always testing. Um, you always rely on data and tests as instruments for deciding upon what is the best design. And design optimization asks, what works best in the current model? You have an experience optimizing stuff, CSG? Um, of course. Like that's in a product company, that's what you tend to do always. Like you, you, you gather information or you gather data from the stuff you build. Like you set something out into the world, and you hope customers uh, use it, and you get data from their use. So you tend to like with with a growth mindset or like with a growth culture. Um, you tend to rely on optimization to improve um, your product, whether it's solving more of the tiny problems that your customers have or um, making your features a bit better um, based on your own data, based on your own analytics or um, principles or intuition. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for a designer to successfully optimize something, the first step is to actually measure mm -hmm. Or have a metric of right. what you want to optimize. Makes like, sense. Yeah. So what do you think are things designers should be optimizing for? Yeah, uh, definitely. Like If you're focusing on, say, for example, you're designing at the top of the funnel, right? Like there's acquisition. You're trying to get um, a user um, in. Uh, it's uh, You get them. You, you do your product marketing. You explain the benefits of your product once they're in like say post a social media ad or like a google ad right and then you tell them about their product then hopefully they sign up so you optimize the design around that like you optimize like uh, how much you educate the customer um if uh, if your customer asks or tells you that they can't they won't sign up because this your product doesn't have this x feature then you optimize to either um, tell more about an unknown feature mm -hmm. or like yeah so and you have you have optimizations based on FB ads right for your um, workshops yeah for sure um, it it depends right like it uh, de depends on which which one has more traction for example say say for very very top of the funnel like um, Facebook ads just like that like you see you tend people tend to react to a certain type of image and um copy combination and then you do more of that mm -hmm. you you either double down on the ad spend you put in that and then you uh either like close out certain ads that are underperforming so that's basic optimization you you get to the bottom up until you get to a plateau of what you can do and that's uh, it will, optimization will typically get you further away when you're when data is quickly available and tends to be quickly available in facebook ads but then when you're building a product, it's up to you to set up the metrics that you want to measure. Mm -hmm. And typically, it came, comes from your pilot metrics. Acquisition, mm -hmm. activation, retention, yeah. uh, revenue, referral. Yeah. Right? So it's more about your yeah. conversion and, funnel. And for us, actually, we have one more. It's repayment. So repayment? For, yeah. What's that? Uh, it's the last R for us because... R. <laughs> <laughs> we added one more R because for our customers in First Circle, they have to pay us back. It's a loan. <laughs> so, so they might refer, but they should never forget to pay us back the loan. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, repayment is another R for us as well. Mm -hmm. um, wh what do you measure uh, and what do you tend to optimize in Calibre, Alexis? 
uh, in Caliber, I think we're more focused. Well, personally for me, more on revenue, mm-hmm. I guess, because um, we're constantly optimizing for um, the, and, right, and, the right amount of package. Mm-hmm. And then what what revenue? Uh, like how how do you tie down the revenue to um, a part of your funnel, or like what what part would you say gives more indication that it adds revenue is it the activation part is it retention in your um in your full funnel or like or is it a combination of many things or ah uh, i i wouldn't say like it's just one part of the funnel sure it's like a mix of everything right, right. how well um our enterprise clients for example get referrals from um their own friends right right or how we can attract um big clients like your Gojeks right. or your big unicorns from Indonesia. Right. So the acquisition strategy depends on who you're talking to. Right. Uh, like let's say for the semis, of course, you target them through Facebook. Yeah. Um, but for bigger clients, the, tra- the strategy is different. You need like a personal relationship yeah. to like acquire them. Do, do, do you have a, a North Star metric in Calibre? For Caliber, our North Star metric, which means the measure of how well our core product is doing, mm-hmm. is the net promoter score. NPS. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if if you don't know NPS, referral. it's um the question when you ask, how likely are you to recommend this product or service to a friend or family member on a scale of zero to ten? Mm-hmm. So if you score it by zero to six, you're a detractor, which means you hate the product. Um, you're gonna say bad things about it. Um, seven to eight is your neutrals, and for neutrals, you're like in the middle, of course. For nine to ten, they're called your promoters. So our the entire company in Caliber is incentivized to optimize for NPS, and uh, typically. Um, the biggest factors for us is the quality of the candidate database that we have, mm-hmm. right? And the other thing is our product, which is your UI UX. Mm-hmm. So, okay. why did we get into the conversation of optimization versus right. innovation? So, um, I, I'd say since the job or like the job description of a product designer or like a pro- even a product owner uh, tends to skew towards optimization a lot people get an easy sometimes that are we optimizing the right way or like is the metric we're even optimizing um does that add value to a business and then so basically from from by by definition optimization right like are we doing the right things that add to the model but innovation to a certain extent is do we have the right model in the first place like uh, um, is this the best possible model is this the best possible model so that tends to creep up when you're kind of optimizing you're kind of like heads down you you have your blinders on you're super hyper focused but then the the give and take of that is you tend to not do anything new Mm -hmm. which is kind of uneasy when um you've been doing something for a while right so Mm -hmm. innovation sometimes is kind of well, like it's kind of sexy when, say, an, uh, um, a competitor comes on board and does something completely new but still accomplishes 
um, the sim uh, similar thing to what you do in a shorter amount of time. So that's kind of what innovation um, dictates, right? Huh? So uh, can you discuss what the uh, meaning of innovation is for you or like um, even by the book, like how can it be defined? So uh, relying on our previous website, it says that you innovate through intuition, but I don't really agree with this. So <laughs> when we use our intuition, we make best guesses and rely on our previous experience we study what others are doing and use best practices. An integral part of innovation is thinking experience, aesthetics, and flow as a whole. When innovating, we rely on designers, best guesses, and discussion as instruments for deciding upon what is the best design. So the goal of innovation is to maximize the potential improvement through optimization. So I think um, uh, when we talk about innovation, it's sort of like, expanding your ceiling when you optimize you want to achieve the maximum the local maximum the best possible optimization for that current design but when you're innovating you're designing to expand that local maximum so that you can get more out of that design Right. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, local maximum, honestly, is something that I just came across very recently. But it just says basically that once you can't squeeze something, you can't squeeze more juice out of the um, lemon. Basically, you've you've got gotten to uh, a point where you have no no more options left, and your you one of your other options might be something you haven't thought of so much, which is basically doing something that you don't know how to do yet, which is, um, to a certain extent, what innovation is. So there, there's this uneasy part when you're doing product development. And then on the flip side of that, innovation is kind of what makes sense if, um, if you're just starting out. If you're, um, if you're building a new product, right? Like it's always advised that why build another uh, another Uber or like a just a localized version of a big um, product? Um, why not go for the blue ocean, right? Mm -hmm. Like the if there's a red ocean versus the blue ocean, red ocean means it's super um, packed with competitors. Mm -hmm. Why why go after that where you can only do um, grow incrementally where in if you go after the blue ocean you can grow exponentially mm -hmm. so i think that's the red ocean when it's super saturated yeah yeah, yeah. And the blue, ocean is blue ocean is the, the, the where you can find um more opportunity in the blue mm -hmm. ocean yeah i think when you're in the blue ocean um you're building a product and you're creating a new category mm -hmm. right and not you're probably like a first mover right like first builder kind of advantage mm -hmm. so yeah I think that's what Airbnb has done. Yeah. Yeah. Like For the sure. first kind of platform to do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of other people just followed suit. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of sexy to um, go after like that big innovation, right? Mm -hmm. um, go after that new untapped market that seemingly, it's super exciting. But then, then again, when you optimize, you would eventually get to a place where people haven't either um focused on or like built products for um so you have 
many paths to innovation. It's not just totally like completely doing mm-hmm. something new. I'd say it's it could be also you optimized so much that opportunities just you attract the opportunities or um it would only be very specific to the path that you're on and nobody else can um go after that it's it's i guess like it's similar to how apple has built their ecosystem right mm-hmm. like they wouldn't be able to have apple watch and then everything else like um the the airpods and everything else if it's it's not built from the ground up from the very start that it's going to be an ecosystem or it's going to be all tied together that's why super it's super convenient to just have a friend on an iphone because you can mm-hmm. easily i message them they have like their memojis and everything else mm-hmm. so they kind of optimized and innovated right yeah, it's not mutually exclusive yeah. you have to be doing both at the same time right. so how do you actually do it when i think of optimization the method i think about is ab testing mm-hmm. sure uh, and when you're ab testing uh it's kind of confusing, right? Because you say A-B testing. You're thinking design A and design B. But it's not really just design A and design B. It's designing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K yeah. versions of one design and testing out through small changes in the design mm-hmm. which works the best. And this has helped a lot of companies. Like, for example... Um, in Barack Obama's campaign, I think for presidency, he had uh, a very simple email newsletter. Mm-hmm. And his design team tried to change the photo accompanied in that form. And the best performing photo was the one where Obama was with his family. And that mm-hmm. drove up, you know, customer acquisition. Yeah, and even like there, there was one story there where they changed the headline of it, mm-hmm. right? Like um, from very, um, they they looked at what others kind of did, and then they they experimented with their the different headlines, and they went with one that's the most casual, where you'd see elements of that or like people copying that mm-hmm. after, <laughs> like Obama's campaign was way 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 back, but you'd see still see um, people copying that like uh, with with the headline of just hey, hey Barack here. Hey, <laughs> yeah. So I there are lots you. of ways to optimize the website. So you can declutter it. Yeah. Right. You can make it clean. Focus on the actual call to action. Yeah. That's what um, most designers should do. Um, another thing is what you just mentioned: improving the copy or the language you're using, mm-hmm. so it's more clear, more concise, more articulate, and more attuned to what the needs are of the users visiting the site. Yeah. And you can also be more data-driven, just more of doing A-B tests. Right. And and there's other ways as well. Like, there's many ways other than A-B testing. There's, like, click testing or even tree testing on navigation. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to find out um, quantitatively and qualitatively how, what, what, what uh, people gravitate towards in your design. Mm-hmm. So there's many tools around. Like um, there's, uh, I forget one tool. User Zoom. User mm-hmm. Zoom is like kind of like a full suite, a very expensive tool. Um, there's also Look Back. There's um, Full Story. Mm-hmm. Like you get tend to there's watch replay people, analysis. Replay analysis. Yeah. 
Um, so there's many ways to optimize, and like it's really up to you to maximize the tools you have. Um, it's usually expensive though. Very expensive though. Uh, optimize. How much is so optimize? I don't know, like a million, <laughs> a million pesos a, yeah. a month. If you fully maximize it, probably right. Well, I haven't used Optimizely. Um, when we do A/B testing at Caliber, it's more of um, done internally right. by our full stack engineers. Mm-hmm. Like we have a tracking code uh, tracks how many clicks and whatever. Yeah. So as designer, it's your responsibility to understand what's your hypothesis. Why are you testing this in the first place? Yeah. And what assumptions are you testing? And uh, what are your um, measures of success? Right. Like if it hits a certain amount of whatever, um, you're successful. So, so let, let's talk about something interesting. Like who should innovate and when should you innovate? Like you, you tend to see um, innovation teams or like small teams within companies that are like innovation, um, innovation hubs or labs. You tend to see that in more of the older companies and starting up like tiny groups. Um, and then you'd see innovation done by the same people that are optimizing. So like, what's your opinion on that? Well, uh, how uh, Can you talk about that more uh, further? Uh, I think anyone can innovate as long as you recognize an opportunity to innovate. And there are different sources of that, right? Source can be a changing market and you, you're forced to adapt. Mm-hmm. It can be a weak link in the process. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're fixing a flow that's fundamentally broken. You can innovate around that. Right. Um, you can fix like incon- incongruities or um, problems when different disciplines mix together. Like for example, um, the tool Webflow, mm-hmm. right? We're designers yeah. and designer shit, but <laughs> when we hand it off to the developer, right, it's not always one hundred percent amazing right. experience. Mm-hmm. But when you fix for those incongruities, yeah. you could make it very seamless, and you can innovate around that. So, I would say anyone can innovate as right. long as you understand why you're innovating. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. Um, possibly. The best, you can even say the best people that should innovate are the ones that are deepest or closest to the problem um, because they're the ones that have context to how, on how much they've done before and then how much they haven't done yet mm-hmm. versus like having a special team where you kind of separate like the non innovators <laughs> from the innovators. You're not an innovator. Yeah, like <laughs> you, you're not part of us. Okay. <laughs> um, you can't sit on the table. So it, it's, it, it shouldn't be like that. Like innovation teams, like the, I I read about like one, one post by Jared School, but uh, that there's one company that even had incentive like a uh, a packet, like an innovation packet where mm-hmm. it had like um like a, the book, the the lean the lean startup book, and then one thousand dollars, <laughs> and then like basically anyone that wants to like suddenly innovate, yeah, there's this packet that they get. But then you try to you tend to separate or like superficially generate innovation rather than naturally generating it by having the right incentives in the first place or mm-hmm. having the right culture for innovation in the first place, which is basically it's communication, it's openness, and also it's um, thinking more about the problem than rather than 
thinking always about the solution or like jumping straight from um, the <laughs> semblance of a problem to oh this is this might be a great solution for that rather than yeah so it's more of that like it, great innovation just spurs from the right process and balancing um, the takeaways every, every now and then of because you tend to lean towards optimization always mm-hmm. or like by default mm-hmm. it's more of the, just being aware that and okay, then your competitor kills you yeah, at some and, point because yeah. so, you weren't innovating so it's building your defensibility like it's not just offense it's yes, your defensibility your, the, the, the defense, <laughs> I love that word it's there's a better word there's a better word yeah defensibility right mm-hmm. yeah um, you should build your defense every time like you should not just innovate say in the middle of your funnel um you should innovate from acquisition and you can focus on that or you can innovate on your marketing or um activation because sometimes like you tend to see value propositions in the middle of the product where it's and not all your customers know about the value of the product when it's after they've signed up right so you can innovate at any part of your process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> So how how I'm thinking how should companies enable innovation? Right? Um I've done a little research and here are like three tips on how you could do that. Sure. So first, um you wanna abandon outdated processes that will be necessary i mean unnecessary for innovation Mm -hmm. what do you what do you think are examples of that um abandoning process definitely uh siloed thinking or like not not having conversations just by department not interdepartment or um fully fully extending yourself like 100 percent to just what you have to do Rather than like only doing up to seventy percent of your capacity at any given day, and then leaving that thirty twenty percent for cross-functional conversation or like mm-hmm. um, inviting other people in, even though they it might not have immediate effect to your mm-hmm. bottom line whether you have to do this X and Y by Z, right? It you should always like invite more people in that don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. because they might see something that you haven't focused on. Like for example, you're a designer and you have an HR department in your company. Mm-hmm. You think you could improve or innovate the onboarding experience for that employee, for right. all employees. Yeah. And if you could somehow influence, help the HR and collaboratively mm-hmm. design something, you're innovating that part of the process of mm-hmm. the employee experience. That's going to drive a lot of value. Yeah. And uh, it, it depends. It depends as well. Like if, if you're, if it's, different if your process is totally different people might get apprehensive like Mm -hmm. you're coming out of nowhere Mm -hmm. to try to help them but as long as uh, it's continuous you'll um eventually it would have a compounding effect of better organizational um shifts and better organizational innovation speaking of organizations um another tip here is to create an org structure that rewards innovation what do you mm-hmm. think? Definitely, like I, I love to be around. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, from from the get go, rather than like it's a project, or rather than it's uh, it's uh, an ad hoc thing that 
suddenly people are rewarded for being innovative. Um, it's more of it should be built in. It should be from the start. Like Google has that. Mm. Google has uh, fr- frequently rewards not just like top performers, not just managers, but also like the the smaller teams, uh, the smaller contributors as well. So top down, it should be um, rewarded. As with anything, not just innovation, of course. Yeah. Intrapreneurs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who came up with that. <laughs> uh, the last thing here is to plan when the innovations are needed to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. I don't know about it, that. It, it's, it's, I guess, planning innovation is kind of um, opposite. Planning and innovating. <laughs> but... Um, it kind of makes sense as well. It's more of having a ba- backlog of um, and a roadmap of what you, you should do, right? Mm-hmm. And that roadmap should be informed by not just your own intuition or not, not just your team's um, objectives, but it should be informed by many different sources. Say, for example, um, a support, uh, support team providing the voice of the customer and also um, the sales team um, talking to the customers that haven't signed up yet. So they have a different perspective than your current customers. And then that informs your product roadmap. And then you can safely, from from um, taking all of those information in, safely balance, okay, this is what we're capable of. That could be further down the line. This could be a really great project that needs more resources, and that could be innovative on itself. So it's different scales of innovation that's planned and mapped that all 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 uh, points to say your north star metric or like your key mm-hmm. uh, key metric that you're trying to measure so it all feeds into each other innovation and optimization so yeah to hit the top spot you need to ensure that you know the market inside mm-hmm. out and you know what problems your customers right. are trying to solve yeah and incentivize your teams or actually force your teams to un- to understand the customer for sure. And so, yeah. it will inform all of the other decision-making, design decisions, whatever you have to do. Yeah. Um, great idea would be to have different people pair together um, from different departments. And they're the ones interviewing customers themselves because they would have different um, points of views, but give them the same questions and same discipline and same training. That would allow you to have a bank of information or a bank of research and then actionable research, since it's it comes from, uh, it's being synthesized by different points of views. So that allows you to, okay, now you have a lot of information, whether it's customers, non-customers. And then you, um, it in the background, kinds of, kind of introduces the culture of customer centricity versus like, oh, suddenly we're going to be customer centric. Like, you don't even have to brand them you just assign them mm-hmm. like interview roles it doesn't have to be your ux researcher but you Teach hit two birds <laughs> you hit two birds with one song mm-hmm. yeah so, so yeah. other things that could help you innovate is to exploit market gaps your competitors don't see mm-hmm. right so when you differentiate your product and really know what your value proposition is and you double down on what your competitors aren't doing, right? That's one thing you could do to innovate. Um, finding a niche position in the market. So, for example, for us, we're not just an applicant tracking system. 
what makes us differentiated is we have our marketplace mm-hmm. of 2 million candidates. Um, and I think this last trip resonates with a lot of designers. Um, create customer utility. That means increase, you're going to increase demand for an existing product. That means you're making the product more usable, right? Um, you're making it more adaptable to the, to the user's workflow. Um, you're solving customer pain points. And that will allow you to really innovate their, your product. Okay, awesome. So I guess that's a good, great way to wrap things up for this discussion. Um, I definitely learned a lot about research, even researching this topic. And you, you get the sense of um, the, the different context of different companies because some com- companies tend to optimize more and you tend, some companies tend to um, put innovation on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a broad spectrum definitely as well. And yeah, it's, uh, it's always good to do both, I'd say. And you can't stay alive as a startup, definitely, if you, you just optimize or you just innovate. Because innovation has its um, flaws as well. You, you'd see like um, bad stories like Vine, which was super innovative, but then it died mm-hmm. because it didn't allow advertisers to come in. When you only have six seconds of video, you can't have a 30-seconder or like a, a minute um, interrupting, right? So there's a limit to innovation. Um, you should always talk to customers, um, even though, and to a certain extent, even though customers love your product, you should always talk to business or s- stakeholders as well. So it's a balance, definitely, mm-hmm. optimization and um, uh, innovation. And yeah. The way we're set up right now at Caliber is we have two squads. We have the enterprise squad, which is where I'm in. Mm-hmm. And the other squad is the brokerage squad. It's mm-hmm. like a secret team. Um, <laughs> so our my squad, the enterprise squad, is more of your optimizer. Yeah. And then with the other squad, brokerage, we're going to be releasing something new um, mm-hmm. in the next month. And it's like a fundamentally different way of um, doing hiring. And we're innovating around certain things. Um, that's... An example of like a 50-50 where we optimize for our core strength in the enterprise um, and taking big risks, calculated mm-hmm. risks in terms of innovating so that we don't play just to stay alive. Mm-hmm. We're playing to win. Mm-hmm. And I think if you really want to be successful as a company, you need to do both. Optimize right. and innovate. Right. So okay. that that's it. That's UX Almusal. That's UX Almusal. Um, that's a good way to wrap it up. Uh, let's have this discussion again. What would be next week's topic? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know as well. Find out on the next UX Almusal. UX Almusal. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to the second episode of UX Almusal. If you're interested to listen to speakers from Google, Dropbox, Twitter, and more, please come join us at uxpl.us. You can get your tickets there. And if you get an early bird ticket, you can have an exclusive UX Plus shirt. Thanks for listening. That's UX Almasai.